Pod Save the Queen! Welcome to Pod Save the Queen, the Daily Mirror's royal podcast. I'm joined this week once again by Victoria Murphy, our royal correspondent. Hi. And we've got Danielle Stacey, one of our fashion experts here with us. Hello. Um, and I'm Anne Griffith. I always forget to say that, but it's probably useful to know. Maybe not that the most important thing, because the most important thing today is there will definitely be a royal wedding because the Queen has said yes. She has officially said yes, exactly. So, um... The Queen, at a Privy Council meeting, um, has signed a declaration of consent. So this is the formal thing that she has to sign and approve. The Privy Council has to approve um, at a meeting that was held yesterday, we understand. Um, and she um, has to officially give her consent to the marriage. The reason for that is because Prince Harry is in the first sixth in line to the throne. Um, He's currently fifth in line to the throne. He will, of course, go down to sixth when Kate's third baby is born. So before he's married, he by the time he's married, he'll be sixth in line, but he's currently fifth in line. But either way, he still has to ask for the Queen's consent. Um, so she, uh, this declaration is drawn up and there's a kind of um, set wording. It's exactly the same as the declaration that was um, signed when William and Kate got married, when they got engaged for them to get married. I'll read it to you. It says, I declare my consent to a contract of matrimony between my most dearly beloved grandson, Prince Henry Charles Albert David of Wales, and Rachel Meghan Markle, which consent I am causing to be signified under the Great Seal and to be entered in the books of the Privy Council. And she signs this. Um, Some interesting things to note there. Of course, Harry is actually called Henry, for those of you who didn't know or who had forgotten. Uh, He also has three middle names, for those of you who didn't know. Uh, Charles Albert David, obviously very royal names there. Bit of a mouthful, though. Charles (laughs) after his son. Um, And Rachel Meghan Markle. So, again, for those of you who don't know, um, Meghan was actually christened Rachel but has gone by the name Meghan for certainly all of her adult life. Um, We're not entirely certain whether she decided as a child to be known as Meghan, but it's certainly the name that she has used um, since she became an actress and for for most of her adult life. Um, So they have that in common as well. Neither of them want to use their real first names. (laughs) So (laughs) it's quite a nice touch, I suppose, uh, another thing that they have in common. Um, So, yeah, so this is it, really, the formal declaration. Um, And it will be followed up um, by a more elaborate declaration, um, which will be done up in calligraphy closer to the wedding date, which will have slightly different wording. Um, But, uh, yes, the Queen has officially said... Off you go. So now you can get your hats. It's yeah. all fine. That time. And um, you were out with Prince Harry this morning as well at another at another event. Yeah, Prince Harry was at an event this morning, um, speaking, like giving a, what we call a keynote speech. Um, it's kind of code for really, really long speech um, <laughs> at, at an event honouring uh, veterans and honouring. Um, projects that work to improve veterans mental health obviously mental health is as we know something that William Kate and Harry are all taking up um, as a big charity initiative and Harry's focus is on veterans and 
former servicemen and women and the hidden injuries, as he calls them, that they can get when they serve in the military and see terrible things or maybe experience terrible things and um, can't erase those from their mind. And there's a lot of ongoing issues and also the issues of reintegrating into society after you've been in the military. So going back to civilian life can be very difficult. And this is something that he's obviously, he served in the military for 10 years and he's very in tune with these issues. Um, he also took the opportunity in his very long keynote speech to mention Megan. So he mentioned her twice by name and he was talking about how he had visited projects with her looking at veterans' mental health, the project in Colchester, Essex, in the southeast of England. And he, they'd spoken to veterans and he said that some of those stories had shocked them to the core. Um, so clearly... He's clearly showing Megan behind the scenes a lot of the projects that he's involved with. He wants her to get to know the charity work that he really cares about. It's another example of them doing behind the scenes visits. And obviously we know that there was that um, example that the Mirror highlighted last um, a couple of months ago, last month was it, about um, doing... Um, uh, going to visit Grenfell victims so they went to see victims of the Grenfell Megan actually by herself went to see victims of the Grenfell fire so she's getting out and about and she is really seeing what charity work is being done in the UK and how does it get decided what is made public or people are invited along to and what they might do behind the scenes and only choose to mention if they if they feel like it I guess or if people happen to find out about it yeah so this is something that is organised by their office at Kensington Palace Harry has a private secretary, a man called Ed Lane Fox, who interestingly also used to serve in the military. And Megan, and he has assistant private secretaries as well. And Megan has now been assigned um, uh, someone who's helping her with her diary, a woman called Amy Pickerel, who used to work in the press office. I think I said previously she now no longer takes my calls. Um, but she, so, so there's a team of people basically responsible for organising their working diaries. And their working diaries include the things that they do publicly and the things that they do behind the scenes that are still classed as part of their work. So it would be down to that team to come up with a plan and also they get a lot of requests from charities or organisations and they would go through those and say yes we would like to come and see this work or make contact with people who have got in touch with them some of it will come from the royals themselves, um, see Harry and William and Kate are all, and Meghan as well, are all very vocal about what they want to do so Harry will steer the ship in some ways. He'll say, I want you to find me some great veterans projects because I want to go and see what, what work's being done. And they will put feelers out and try and establish what they can best go and see. So it's a real kind of mixture of things. And then they like to do behind-the-scenes visits because, you know, they don't have us bothering them basically so they they can go in and they can say anything to anyone and know that it won't get reported or is very unlikely to get reported and they can also take time to see the work that's been done without having to worry about whether the cameras are in their faces or um you know are they on schedule because they've you know everyone's been told it's going to last this long and so the pub the public visits by contrast are much more staged and more like kind of performances of showcasing what they have seen behind the scenes and public visits are very important because of course it's very important that the world gets to know about these projects and that's one of the jobs of the royal family is to highlight the work that's going on around the country in the charity sector and so it's important that they do have the public visits and they, they do acknowledge that 
But they, I think Harry has said to me, certainly, you know, in an interview I did with him a couple of years ago, that he feels that he it's at the private visits that he really gets under the skin of what work is actually being done. That's interesting. And then I guess even the public visits now, I mean, I think there was one recently, I can't remember which one it was, but they're like, oh, why didn't you bring Megan with you? So how do they decide which ones Megan joins him at? Because obviously she's she's the new you know the new exciting part of the royal family that everyone wants to see in the build-up to the wedding but she's obviously not going on all of the visits yeah with him. exactly everyone you know they want all the charities want Megan to go along to their events at the moment because they know that they'll get huge publicity that they wouldn't otherwise get and it was exactly the same with Kate when she joined the royal family and still is to a certain extent so they it will be a mixture. Obviously, they can't do everything. They can't all do everything, and they get so, so many requests. So it's a case of working out what's logistically possible, for one thing, because obviously they have commitments. They are allowed to have time off, have private commitments, and it's also what is the best thing for her to be spending her time doing at the moment. So the causes that are the projects that she's likely to work with in the future or the things that are particularly close to Harry's heart or the things that give her an opportunity to, um, you know, I think with Grenfell, that's such an important issue. You know, she really needs to engage with that. It was so important to so many people across the country. And you've got the borough of Kensington, which is where the royals live. And so for her not to go and see what's going on there would be a real oversight. So there are some things like that that fall into that category. And then it's just worked out what she should do. Um, on that basis and then of course you've got things like the beginning of the week when she was out with the Queen which was a huge milestone for her and that would be something an invitation from the Queen to other members of the royal family to join her at the Commonwealth service I mean no one turns that down so (laughs) you make space for that (laughs) Yeah. so we obviously did a little preview of um, Commonwealth Day last week in our in our podcast episode Um, a quick apology to any of our subscribers who um, had the previous weeks twice um thank you to everybody who did let us know about the slight technical problem with that if you haven't managed to catch last week's when we talked about um harry and megan's visit to birmingham if you've if you've got the same one duplicated you just need to delete last week's episode and then download it again and you'll be able to catch up with all of the news from birmingham but Commonwealth Day and the service um, it was a big deal because it was Meghan at an official engagement with the Queen for the first time um, with all the royal family I guess and she sang the national anthem she did, thank goodness (laughs) I was standing sitting, well standing at that time because we were all standing to sing the national anthem a few rows behind her and I was just kind of having you know, just when the music came on I thought I'd just tilt my head and just check that she's singing and thankfully she was Um, It was a big event for her. I mean, a lot of people have said, why is it such a big deal? Because obviously she appeared at Sandringham with the Queen. So people are saying, well, it's not her first appearance with the Queen. Sandringham falls into a funny category with the Royals because it is acknowledged that it's a public event because the crowds go and line the pathway and their family are always photographed. But it is also considered a semi-private event. And the the names of members of the Royal Family attending are not listed in a formal way on an operational note for the engagement. So when you get the operational note for Sandringham, it just says the Queen will attend church with members of her family. 
um, and Meghan wasn't listed. There was no one listed. Um, whereas this event was a note that went out that named Ms. Meghan Markle alongside the other named members of the royal family who were attending. So it is considered to be her first official engagement with the Queen. And that's significant because she hasn't joined the royal family yet. She's technically still a commoner, um, but they are basically showing that she's completely considered now as one of the family and someone who should come along to these important occasions. And what was also interesting for people who like to watch these things is that she was positioned where she will be positioned when she marries Prince Harry. So there's an order of precedence in the royal family, which is different to the order of succession. The order of succession is who is going to get the throne. So, for example, Prince Philip isn't in the order of succession, but he is second in the order of precedence. So that's importance, basically. So you've got the Queen and Philip, you've got Charles and Camilla, you've got William and Kate, and then you've got Harry and Meghan. And they are above the other royals. And what was particularly interesting about that, which is, again, very technical now, but Sophie, Countess of Wessex, was also at that event. Now, she was there without her husband, Prince Edward. He wasn't there. And when she is at the event without her husband, she is drops further down the oh, order of precedence. Oh, she Yes, I know, I know. So she was in the positioning, if you looked at how the royals sat and how they processed out of the abbey, she was further behind um, Princess Anne and Princess Alexandra, whereas had Edward been there, she would have been alongside him because he is above them in the in the line of order of precedence. So it's really interesting. And so Meghan was treated as if she was already married to Harry. She didn't say it at the end. I mean, it would have been quite bizarre had they done it that way. <laughs> Let's be honest. She didn't sit, you know, at the back. She was very much there, uh, sort of making that statement that that she's already considered to be in the family. And that we still saw that sort of lovely relationship and affection between the two of them, even during quite a formal service, because there's, you know, Liam Payne from One Direction was doing his singing, and there's just that moment when Harry kind of looks at Meghan and raises raise his eyebrows or looks oh. a little bit um, Was she dissing him? This is what I'm not 100% sure. Was he dissing Liam Payne? I, I, do you think he was? I don't know. Maybe he was just trying to make his fiance laugh, because it certainly yeah. worked if that was <laughs> the case. Or may, maybe, maybe it was that sort of half raised eyebrows so should we get should we get this dude along for our yeah, wedding party who knows who knows um, yeah I mean they clearly were you know they, they had a couple of moments where they looked at each other there was they were chatting a little bit to each other at the end when people are beginning to process out um, and I think you know shows sort of confidence really Megan was clearly she would have been nervous but she didn't she seemed to be you know Carrie was putting her at ease and she seemed to be she certainly gave a good impression that she was fairly relaxed about the setting um so yeah i mean they're so they're so happy aren't they and they're really in love and i think the thing is that harry so clearly just is so proud of her like he's obviously beaming with pride when he goes to these things and having had so many years of being by himself and you know walking behind William and Kate on yeah. his own next to the Andrew third wheel. He'd, well, <laughs> these types of things he ends up walking next to Prince Andrew who's next in line yeah. and who also doesn't have a partner um, so for him to now have Megan is just lovely and it's that it's that thing as well possibly when you're in the run up to getting married and you're in a church you dress quite smartly you're walking up and down the aisle together it's like well, this will be us in a few weeks time yeah <laughs> it wasn't the same venue which would no, have been an extra special uh, thing yeah. But, yeah. but she did she did help us out like when we're looking for pictures in the run up to the wedding 
having pictures of Meghan dressed in white is quite helpful mm. because it makes you think wedding Ooh. and she picked a very sort yeah. of cream cream Bridal white outfit. What, Danielle, what did you what did you make of her outfit for the for the do? I think she looked incredibly chic. Um, it's the Amanda Wakely high neck um, jacket and I believe like a kind of V-neck navy dress underneath. Cleverly uh, coordinated with Kate. I'm sure from now on with all the uh, with all the appearances they do together in public, they must, their stylists must speak to each other, surely. I think so. I think maybe not down to the most minute detail, but certainly in kind of themes and colours, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want one wearing bright pink. Victoria's wearing a very fetching uh, bright I pink blouse today. Yeah. And if I was wearing bright red and we were standing next to each other, we might look great individually, but... Yeah, there is an element of coordination and also I suppose the rare chance they might wear the exact same outfit, which could be quite strange. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Well they were wearing very similar shoes though, weren't they? Yes, that has caused a lot of uh, well, a lot of talk on Twitter actually. Oh, are they wearing the same shoes? A lot of uh, tweets I got from blokes saying, Oh yes, they're wearing exactly the same, but having, you know, written about Kate for the last couple of years and I know for a fact that they they were those uh, her Rupert Sanderson Mallory pumps. Um, Did you just know that straight away? Yeah, it's just from studying, I guess. uh, (laughs) Covering the royals does strange things to your brain. Yes, it does, because I I sit there with, uh, you know, zooming on the pictures just to double check that the heel, you know, the kind of heel shape um, and, you know, even the sole. Um, So I knew for definite that they weren't wearing the the same shoes. Megan's uh, notching up quite a collection of Manola Blonics. Um but it was quite interesting to see the, the the comments on Twitter about oh they're wearing the same shoes now and it's because it's all the you know Megan's copy Kate or Kate copies Megan. Um, but yeah, it, it was quite interesting that they, I mean, all of the female members of the royal family decided to opt for navy and cream, didn't they? Okay. Yeah, and again, that's possibly down to that sort of theme that is kind of you know discussed maybe with the um, some of the assistants and stylists as you say um it allowed the queen to stand out as well because she was wearing sort of a more of a like a dusky burgundy, burgundy type yeah. color yeah i'd love yeah. to i'd love to think that they have a whatsapp group where they all discuss that <laughs> they're wearing they actually might not them but their staff actually might they all they are very into the latest technology over at the palaces now that would be Probably great wouldn't everything. it yeah. yeah just a different whatsapp group for deep, you know each event <laughs> yeah the pictures of the one shoes thing that was front. quite good about megan um, a lot of the photographers outside because there was a position for photographers outside the Abbey said that she turned and smiled um, which is actually not something we always get from the royals They sometimes they, they walk past and they, they want to seem very business like very focused on the job at hand not kind of like celebrities posing yeah. But at the same time, you know, just a little kind of acknowledgement would be nice sometimes. I think the photographer's been standing out there for a long time and they want a good shot, you know, and presumably the royals also want them to get a good shot. So it was nice to see that Meghan sort of acknowledged that, really, and she turned her head and did a smile so that they could get a picture. And, And perhaps that's going back to her roots, where she's obviously done a lot of red carpets as an actress and done a lot of photo calls, and it's maybe almost in her DNA now to turn turn for the photographers. But I just think it's being polite, you know? Yeah, because Kate, you never see her directly looking at the camera. It's always side on, isn't it? It's always, even if it's, you know, you've got her face in the camera, she's never looking at the camera. Very rarely, yeah. yeah. And if she is by accident. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, It's not a kind of posed... Mm. 
Yeah, what well, was interesting when we were in Sweden and Norway, that that does seem to be much more of a thing over there. The royals kind of stop and pose outside the venues, and so William and Kate were doing it there because that was they were following their hosts. Um, but they haven't brought that back home with them. <laughs> so in fact, you didn't thinking about you know weddings is the place where we're all used to being marched into line and you know stand and have pictures or whatever, even if you're just a guest half the time. But you don't. I mean, certainly not in public. You don't get that at, at the royal wedding. They didn't. No, really well, they d- they will I mean, pose, but slow. not for the press photographers. So mm. they'll pose for the. They will have a photographer, a wedding photographer, as William and Kate did. I can't remember who did it now, but um, and that they'll do posed pictures, and they'll probably be released to us a day or two after the event. Um, but in, when it comes to posing up for the press, photographers know it won't happen. We'll see the arrivals and we'll see the carriage procession and that will be what they'll get. But the live shots are, the, the, I think, the best ones, you know, the kind of in raw emotion and the moving, the movement. So the posed pictures will be lovely, but I still think the best ones will be those in-the-moment pictures on the day. Um, any other style standouts from Commonwealth Day? Um, we have to talk about Princess Anne because um, I think a lot of the younger royals could learn a thing or two from her. So she wore a cream uh, jacket with navy accents, uh, kind of navy button detail down the middle, uh, with a cream and navy hat. Um, But it's not the first time she's worn it. It's about the seventh or eighth time she's worn it in public. And it actually dates back to the 1980s. Wow. And unusually for something from the 1980s, it still looks nice. It looks so timeless. And she's worn it, I think she's worn it a couple of... The first time she wore it was at Ascot. Uh, she's worn it a couple of times for the races since um, and she also wore it for uh, Prince Philip's birthday in 2011 I believe and then it's last outing before that was 2015 for a Buckingham Palace garden party and each time it just it just looks brand new it's yeah and I think it's not the only piece that she owns that she's worn time and time again she's uh, she's quite frugal is, is Princess Anne fair play to the eagle-eyed people who spotted that I think yeah. it might have been um, hat tip to Joe Little from Majesty magazine who actually I was sitting next to in the abbey I think it might have been him that initially spotted that he's got he's been covering the royals for decades and he's got a memory amazing memory for things like that it's so. what we'll be like in 30 years <laughs> you will be like that Danielle, definitely <laughs> attention to detail yeah. but, but it'd be quite interesting to, to hear from our listeners um, if you've got anything in your wardrobe that kind of dates back 30 40 years and whether you you still wear it now yeah have you been yeah have you got a favorite outfit that you get out for the big occasions or the small occasions that's stood the test of time yeah. email us pod save the queen at trinitymirror.com um and you know if we get any great ones we might share them in our facebook group you can find that at uh, mirror.co.uk slash royal facebook i think if i've got that one right um the other thing that i noticed from commonwealth day there was there was a lovely picture um, you know, just looking at the front row, and you can see Meghan in behind, and you've got William and Kate sort of looking off into space a little bit, waiting, <laughs> waiting for things to start. And Charles and Camilla are, are looking at their orders of service, and then you've got the Queen on her own on the end. And it's the first time that Harry's had somebody to bring with him, and it's the first time that you know since Prince Philip retired that she's she's there on her own. Yeah, it's a sign of the kind of changing cycle, really, isn't it? The moving handing over gradually and this is the first Commonwealth service that Philip has been retired for it's an annual event for Commonwealth service obviously he retired last summer and this he he is occasionally from time to time making rare public appearances and 
you know, this could have been one that he'd, he'd, he decided to come to. But I think the fact that he didn't shows that, you know, his retirement is very much cemented now and, and we won't be seeing him even at what we might consider to be sort of all whole family occasions. He won't necessarily always be there. And it's quite poignant, really, because you've got the Queen. She'll be 92 this year. And she is there on her own now, as you say. I mean, still surrounded by her younger family, but she doesn't have the person by her side that she has had for her whole reign. Um, and he's not going to not gonna reappear there. So it'll obviously so. be interesting seeing, seeing Philip in... Well, he'll be at the royal wedding. And yes. see how he, you know, see how retirement yeah, is treating him, because really. we're getting to see him, you know so little now in public although he was photographed carriage riding at Windsor not long ago so he's clearly still getting out and about yeah exactly he's going to be 97 this year oh my so goodness oh well only three years until his wife can send him a telegram exactly <laughs> imagine just hands him over <laughs> um, we've seen Zara this week as well Zara Phillips Zara Tyndall. Yeah, she's been keeping a pretty low profile since announcing her pregnancy. Um, baby number two is due this summer. Um, but she looked really lovely at Cheltenham on Ladies' Day. She wore a dark red button-up uh, overcoat and an Isabella Oliver polka dot shirt dress underneath uh, with beige knee-high boots. And I just think she looked gorgeous. I and mean, it's... It, Cheltenham's one of the things that she goes to every year. I mean, she's she's very, very much in the horse circle. I mean, that's obviously her her day job and the sort of the country life. They yeah, I mean, she's obviously, um, you know, yeah, very much in with the equestrian set, um, and you know, she occupies that position where she is a royal, but she's not a working royal, and she um, doesn't carry out engagements she is a kind of a private individual really and has her own job and so she can enjoy these events not she's not working at them really she's kind of getting to go because she loves horses and she loves racing and her husband Mike they they own a racehorse as well I don't know if their horse was competing but um you know it's very much their world and their life um and so we will always expect to see her at the races um, but it's going to be interesting because the Queen is obviously a huge fan of horse racing. She attends Royal Escort every day, um, every year she attends every day, and she brings various members of her family with her. But there isn't really an obvious person who is a senior working royal who has that same passion, really. I mean, Zara does, but she's not um, She's not going to suddenly step up and become a full-time working royal. So it'll be interesting to see when the Queen um, you know, isn't going to Ascot anymore, if anyone kind of takes that mantle on. Um, and will we see other royals featuring so frequently in, in such a formal capacity at, at the event? I don't know. Interesting. Interesting one to look out for. Um, some other newsy bits from the week just to gallop through haha <laughs> see what I did there um, so uh, Prince William he's already he can't go to the FA Cup final probably because his brother's getting married and now he's not going to be going to the World Cup if he was because of Britain and Russia being at yeah. loggerheads over the uh, spy poisoning in Salisbury would he would he have gone to the World Cup do you think um well, very possibly, yeah. I mean, if it hadn't been in a country where there was any controversy, it's very likely something that he would have done. Obviously, he's president of the FA. Um, so, possibly, yes. Um, whether or not he will... I, I mean, I, I would say it's pretty much ruled out that he's going to go to the cup final on his brother's wedding day. I just don't see it happening, and I don't think anyone would be really bothered. I, I mean, I can't see, like, sort of outrage that he's not going. Most people would say... 
obviously go to your brother's wedding, mate, you know? So, uh, but you just never know. But, you know, the timings would allow him, but I just don't see it. It'd be an absolute circus if he did. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, Other thing that's been discussed this week, who may or may not walk... Megan down the aisle. Um, there's been sort of talk from the start, would her dad walk her down the aisle? Might her mum walk her down the aisle? And then there was a report that maybe this had been discussed by the royals and they weren't entirely convinced by these options and thought that maybe Prince William should do it, which seems slightly that's unlikely. That's ridiculous. I mean, there's no way that's going to happen. It's just so weird for a start, you know? <laughs> um, no, no, no. He's Miss Prince William definitely wouldn't walk her down the aisle. But on her dad and her mum, the position that I've always understood it is that I think we're still thinking that the most likely scenario is her dad. It's unlikely that he'll make a speech. I don't think he will, but walking her down the aisle seems to be something that is still on the cards. But she is a lot closer to her mum, and she is a feminist, and those things make me think the mum has got to be a very strong candidate, maybe even both of them. I could really see that, and that would be really lovely. Um, so she could even come down by herself you know I mean why not because why does she have to have a man escort her down I mean I think about these things probably the same way that maybe as a feminist she does that just seems very archaic you know but then there are a lot of ancient institutions that are you know people do think are important so it will be interesting to see which way they go and it's tricky because now whatever happens it's it's a story and something that people are interested in. If yeah, it's... but I think just because with Kate, it was just never a question, was it? Because she's really close to her family. She had this really kind of, you know, sort of nuclear family set up and it was always just so obvious, well, of course her dad's going to walk down there. But with Meghan, we know she's had a, a more estranged relationship and Harry, the fact that Harry hadn't met him raised sort of questions. So I think there was a question there, but, but I still think her dad is the most likely candidate. Cool. So... Not many weeks now left until we can find out. Um, I know. In the meantime, one of the things Megan's apparently spending her time doing is learning to drive on the left-hand side using a manual car rather than an automatic and her husband-to-be is helping her. So anybody that's ever driven with their partner probably thinks that this is a really brave thing to do. At least they can practice on plenty of private land, though. That's the thing, isn't it? It's when you get other cars in the mix, that's when it's a problem. Yeah, and you don't want to be learning to drive in London either. To be honest, I'm not really sure why she's bothering. It's not like she can't get driven everywhere. I mean... (laughs) Or or get an automatic. Yeah, We have automatics over here. Get the tube. (laughs) Not the tube. um, I mean, it is interesting how much the royals do drive themselves. So the Queen drives herself still. She drives herself to church on Sundays when she's at Windsor. Um, Philip was drives. He's was driving the Queen to church at Sandringham not long ago. The Queen drives at Balmoral. They love to drive themselves. William, Kate, Kate drives George on the school run when she could presumably sit in the back with him if she wanted, and they can always get someone else to do it, can't they? So they obviously like this feeling of being in control, actually doing it for themselves, having that sense of normality. Yeah, there is a sense of freedom sometimes when you get in a car and it's just you or put the radio on or whatever. And, yeah, and the protection yeah. officer. <laughs> well, when they when they um, when they drive to Buckingham Palace for the Christmas lunch, so when William's driving, is there a, so you've got William, you've got Kate. There used to be Harry and the kids. Would there still be a protection officer in the car? <laughs> <laughs> no, they would. Prob- they would be in that scenario. They would be driving ahead and behind in different vehicles. But if someone's driving on their own, then they'll have a Most, protection yeah, officer with you do, them. Yeah, you will. You would. It, it's sort of what's most logical, I think. So you know, if Kate's driving George to school by herself. Would she have a separate protection officer going behind her? No, she'd probably have a protection officer in the car with her. But as you say, if the whole family's going somewhere, um, 
and, and it's about privacy as well. I mean, the, the, the job of the protection officers is to watch them and, and protect them, but at the same time, not allow them to have their own space where necessary. So, in if you're the two of you and you're in a more, you know, you're having a conversation, you're in a more intimate scenario, William and Kate, do they really want protection officer chipping in every now and then? Maybe not. But <laughs> if you're by yourself and you're, you, they get on with their protection team. That's part of the point of, you know, you need to have that relationship. Um, you would say, yeah, come and sit by me, and we'll, you know, we'll drive together. So. Cool. Hmm. Interesting. And now, <laughs> finally, for this week, um, there's been some pictures that have been released of the uh, the Lifetime TV movie Harry and Meghan: The Royal Love Story of the uh, actors and actresses. Relatively unknown, and apparently picked more for their looky likeness <laughs> than than yeah. for than for their sort of you know acting. Well, I'm prowess. not sure that that is even the case when I look at the pictures here. To be honest, so they've done they've done you know Instagram style poses for some of the promotional shots. At any rate, I mean the the Queen looks more like Dame Edna Etheridge, I think probably. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I mean, presumably Princess Diana is going to be in it as a flashback or as a ghost. I don't know, but the, she also looks slightly. She looks like the lady out of Glee, probably the yeah, the, um, yeah. the the crate, the sort of really strict coach. I mean, this this has obviously happened with William and Kate. There was as soon as they announced their engagement, there was a film, and they had, and that I remember watching that. I mean, it's, it's all kind of good fun and entertainment. I don't think we can expect to get anything kind of close to real life out of it to be honest um, and think people just enjoy it for what it is. I mean, people want to believe that they can get that they can see their world behind the scenes and even if it's imagined sometimes that is still satisfying an interest for people so well yeah people love a bit of sort of fictionalised yeah. real life at the moment assassination of Gianni Versace is obsessing people at the yeah. moment yeah. Yeah. all of that kind of thing so obviously The Crown has been a massive mm. hit on Netflix as well. oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so The Crown's that, got their own gender pay gap haven't they been, oh yeah. yeah so the, the um, Prince Philip Matt Smith A.K.A. Doctor Who being paid more than more than the Queen, Claire mm, okay. Foy. Not cool. Well, it's interesting. I'm I, I can. I, it's an area where talent is being paid. He brings an audience with him. Arguably, he is a known quantity. Yeah. Whereas she was more of an unknown. Yeah, and and I suppose you. I suppose what you would do is look at actors in different roles and when actors come to a set they're probably all paid different amounts but it just so happens with those two roles because the roles are so symbolic and also because she has the lead role um, it does seem to send a difficult message um, the fact that he's paid more than her and it's an unfortunate message at this time because the spotlight is on this kind of thing um, and so and you also do have to sort of ask would it be likely to be the case the other way around if you had a female superstar going in to play the wife of a male lead would she be paid more than that male lead we don't know the answer but you know these are all questions for the film industry aren't they but possibly Sophie Wessex ought to get bumped up the order even if Prince Edward isn't there oh gosh that's a mindful don't try and mess with that <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, leave, we'll leave that well alone um, but in the meantime so we'll be back again next week um, Victoria won't be with us next week but we'll still have an excellent show for you if you've got some suggestions about uh, things you'd like to cover it us to cover in future episodes email in podsavethequeen at trinitymirror.com do subscribe, leave us a review or a rating on iTunes, Um, we love to get your messages so leave us some some stars that would be lovely, Um, but until next time 
Pod save the queen! 